and welcome to Anime Audio Commentary. Today I'll be commenting on episode 43 of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. If you'd like to watch along, then start watching now. So last we left off, uh, Kimberly was well underway with carving the Crest of Blood at Fort Briggs. And you know, the assumption was that Briggs itself would be the, uh, the Crest of Blood, but it turns out... Uh, Kimberly's sort of betrayed the Drachma soldiers and they're being massacred by artillery. That's a rather unfortunate turn of fate because, uh... They basically walked into a massacre. Like, Kimberly seems to have swung it so that there is no way they would survive. Even though they effectively snuck up on the fort. You know, to the... Defender's credit... They think that this whole thing was really too easy, and it most certainly was, but you know, for them to grasp why, they would have to know some pretty high-level stuff. So now we arrive at the, um, what would you call it, Ishvalan refugee camp. It's not exactly a safe place, but it's uh, certainly relatively safer than everywhere else. So I feel a little sorry for Elphons. Mei Chang's not exactly a good Alkahestry tutor. You know, she does have the good grace to try and teach them, but she's not very good at explaining what comes to her naturally. You know, it's nice that everybody can sort of be useful here in camp. Yoki, of course, managing only to distract the children from causing trouble elsewhere. So I believe this was alluded to previously in that uh, Zampano here decided to uh, betray everyone. 
And based on that little bit of voice acting, it's very clear that he's leading envy to everyone. Albeit, in disguise. You know, I have to say, I feel, uh... feel really sorry for Hawkeye here. She is in a very tenuous position with everyone basically around her being homunculi, or aligned with them. That Wrath would sort of engage in this line of questioning seems to me that he's, um... I guess trying to, like, poke and prod at her a little bit. So I'm wondering what precisely Wrath's angle is here, saying that, you know, he didn't choose most of what happened to him, but he did choose his wife. You know, to say that he's human is definitely not true. I mean, biologically perhaps, but he's a soulless monster, so I feel like that he would say all this stuff, it's really just a diversionary tactic. You know, he's trying to wrong-foot Hawkeye, who has been a rather steadfast subordinate of Mustang. So, uh, this is not good here. Man, Envy's not even going along with the pretense of things here. He's saying, you know, you're a bad actor, I might as well just reveal myself. Yeah, this is really a bad situation if, like, only two chimeras are watching over Dr. Marco. Of course, um... You know what? This is good. I like this. Zampano's not a traitor after all. He's the real deal. They've led Envy into a trap. You know, I feel like Envy... You should almost call him pride considering how vain he is. You know, he's unwilling to believe that anyone could ever best him, even though he's falling for these booby traps one after another. You know, I think that's a pretty good example. You know, he's so confident that that kind of alchemy doesn't exist, even though, you know, it's happening before his very eyes. I mean, it's not like any of these booby traps are going to kill him permanently or anything like that, but... I'd be willing to bet that the intended idea here is just to wrong-foot him, really tick him off so that he acts foolishly and rashly. And thereby giving uh, other people the opportunity to put him down for good. So, I mean, in a way, they are sort of playing him for a fool. Mei Chang's behind this whole remote alchemical business here. But Envy's not smart enough to sort of puzzle it out. So, naturally, he does the only thing he really can, and he turns into a big monster, as is his want. 
Like, it's not a bad strategy sometimes, a big monster being notably more difficult to combat than a regular person. But, you know, it's far from a perfect or foolproof strategy. You know, he's presenting a bigger target for one thing. Oh, man. That is pretty brutal, just being impaled by icicles like that. Oh dear, seems like Envy really wasn't paying sufficient attention and it might have cost him for good. If Scar could just destroy things, then, you know, surely he could destroy, essentially, a Philosopher's Stone. Unfortunately, it seems like he didn't actually kill Envy, he just sort of wounded him. You know, whether or not that was intentional, I don't know, but I feel like Scar probably should have gone for the kill. Envy really is a monster, where he's just sort of threatening Dr. Marco with the death of a bunch of innocent people. I mean, you can't really blame Envy being an inhuman monster. You know, interestingly, it seems like Dr. Marco has a little bit of fire in him. You know, he's willing to resist a little bit more... Man, that really is dark, considering that they took his whole research team and sacrificed them. I mean, I guess it is a fitting fate for people who did such evil work, but at the same time... Like, I, I don't know. It's still a rather horrid fate. Oh boy, here we go, Dr. Marco. You pissed off the wrong guy, Envy. He's going to unmake you. I'm glad that Dr. Marco finally got to do, like, something on his own in a meaningful way. You know, even if this doesn't necessarily kill Envy outright, it's certainly, uh, an unparalleled attack against him. Looks rather painful too, which I'm sure is cathartic for everybody. Man, it looks like his alchemy was truly effective. You know, Envy can't even maintain his form as this giant monster. He's just sort of falling apart and crumbling. It's rather disgusting in a way.
So it seems like Envy's being uh, rather prideful here, considering that everybody's looking down on him, even though he considers himself a superior creature. Now this is an interesting development right here. Envy, he's not dead, but he's sort of been reduced to this little leech-like creature. And you know, everybody sort of looks at him like, you know, this is Envy, this tiny, wretched little thing. I mean, in a way, it's kind of fitting that Envy would be this little, gross little creature, and his bellicose personality is just him being envious of everyone else. I mean, it makes sense, being the embodiment of the sin of Envy, he would in fact be very envious. He really is in a sorry state that he's just such a non-threat, such a non-entity that Scar's just kind of holding him by his tail. Ah, <laughs> oh, Yoki. You can't help yourself, dude. That's gonna bite you. You know, he just has to flick Envy in the head a little bit, saying like, Ooh, I'm higher up on the food chain now. I can get away with it. You know, I feel like, uh... Envy's not going to take kindly to this, and if he ever gets the opportunity, he will exact revenge for this indignity. Ah, there we have it. Say goodbye to your finger. Oh. Oh dear. So Yoki really uh, got himself into it. Envy is actually taking over his body. I mean, Envy has made a poor choice in that he's hijacked the one person that nobody especially cares about. You know, they all seem uh, unfortunately willing to consign him to death. Man. Poor Yoki, man. Like, I don't think he quite deserves this response. So, you know, despite everybody sort of giving Yoki the cold shoulder, I think Marco gives a better response in that everyone is prepared to make sacrifices to defeat Envy up to and including one of their own. I mean, Yoki, <laughs> poor guy, he doesn't find it very funny, but, you know, I doubt anyone would in that situation if they weren't prepared to die. You know, it's really nice to see the shoe on the other foot here with everybody sort of bullying Envy, considering he's been such a contemptible, smug jerk this entire time. Now, at the same time, you know, Alphonse has uh, made the mistake of feeding Envy information. That's not a good idea, you know. Obviously, we the audience know that Envy is telling the truth, but they have no reason to believe what he's saying or to assume that it's anything other than a malicious lie to hurt morale. And indeed, that's what it sounds like. I mean, at the same time, we know Envy's telling the truth, but at the same time, 
Ed is also okay, relatively speaking. You know, the collapse of a mineshaft is no mean thing. And he was impaled through the abdomen, but, uh... Well, he got better. So this is a nice little bit of development here. Scar is starting to give up his need for wanton destruction, and he's sort of taking the the reformist approach here to making Amestris a better place, rather than just burning everything to the ground. Alright, so you know, just sort of in line with that whole business about not being evil, Scar's decided to just give Envy away to Meche and saying, you know, you can use this to save your clan. And that's a rather selfless thing, considering that basically everybody has a bone to pick with Envy, and I feel like everyone would get a good degree of satisfaction from treading him, treading on him and crushing him underfoot. But, you know, Scar says, nope, we're better than that. You know, albeit somewhat marginally, Meicheng, you can use him and, I don't know, dissect him in Shang or whatever. And speaking of Shang, I still don't think we've caught up with what uh, Ling and or Greed is currently up to. And... Thinking about it now, it's been like a good 20 episodes since we last saw anything, so I have to wonder, what precisely has he been doing, you know? The greed that we knew before Ling sort of was subsumed was, um, well, kind of egocentric, and seemingly acting in opposition to Father, albeit not openly or directly. So you have to wonder if greed sort of, uh, Getting back up to old tricks, as it were. Oh dear, you know, it turns out this might have been rather prescient on my part, because this guy, this Chimera here, seems to be the last living minion of Greed. Unfortunately, he seems to be privy to a little bit of information. You know, he's hearing some stuff about Izumi Curtis and her husband being out of town. He's also hearing about Bradley, who was, as we know, Greed's killer. You know, naturally, this guy's not taking too kindly to all his friends being killed. Yeah, there we go. You know, this guy might be cowardly, but he's still resolved to do something. You know, if he just does nothing, then all of his friends died for nothing, and even a wretched coward can't live like that indefinitely. Now, speaking of wretched cowards, I feel like that's what uh, the Major General would think of her younger brother. Man, you know, it's weird to see these two interacting because 
despite being siblings, they're effectively polar opposites. You know, General Armstrong doesn't care about anything or anyone. She has absolute faith that Fort Briggs held against the drachma attack, even if uh, the Major had doubts, or at least told her, saying, like, you know, thought you'd like to know. Man, she is just made of steel inside and out. Alright, so that's interesting. It seems like a big point of contention between the two of them is Major Armstrong being um, removed from Ishfall. So this officer here is uh, talking about the rules of alchemy here, specifically about why you shouldn't create people. And I feel like that he would bring this up is uh, not good. So you know, it turns out that it's it's not forbidden to create people because it's an affront to God. It's because a rogue alchemist could raise an army, and that's. Uh, that is something the state does not want. Boy, that's a heavy thing to just drop on somebody right at the end of the episode. So before, Lior was mentioned briefly, and it seems like Alphonse is actually taking the time to visit. So slowly but surely, Alphonse is sort of coming into contact with his father, because he was shown to be here briefly. And I don't think Alphonse has met him since he sort of just, like, left the family. So I feel like we're working towards something here. There's going to be some sort of reconciliation, and I feel like 
Elfines is going to see the good aspects of Hohenheim that Ed was steadfastly ignoring. You know, this is interesting because uh, Hohenheim was doing the dishes here, and he doesn't have that sort of, like, stern expression he normally does. Alright, well that's it for this episode. If you've enjoyed it, then by all means, tune in for the next one. See you, Space Cowboy.